Anti-rejection medications are a fact of life for patients following organ transplantation. And here to talk about post-organ transplant, life on anti-rejection medicine is Emory Transplant Center physician, Dr. Ram Subramanian, Associate Professor of Medicine and Surgery and the Medical Director of Liver Transplantation at Emory University School of Medicine. Another in the podcast series, Advancing Your Health with Emory Healthcare. Here's Bill Klaproth. Dr. Sue Bramanian, thank you for your time. Why is anti-rejection medication needed? So the patient undergoes an organ transplant, is getting a foreign organ from from another human being. So that is recognized uh, as foreign by the recipient's immune system. And so it is very important that a patient who receives an organ transplant takes anti-rejection medications in order to prevent rejection of the transplanted organ. And how long does someone need to stay on anti-rejection medication? Is that something they're on for life? It is. It is on for life. So there's always a finite risk of rejection irrespective of how long the patient is uh, post-transplant. So we have folks who are 20 years out from liver transplant who are still requiring uh, some degree of anti-rejection medicine. All right. So let me ask you this. So over time, is there a reduction in the dosage? Yes, that's a good question. So you're, you're right. The risk of rejection is higher uh, the closer you are to transplantation. And so we maintain the level of anti-rejection medicines higher, for example, for liver transplant uh, within the first uh, six months. Uh, after liver transplantation. And after that, we are able to wean the dose of anti-rejection medication uh, as we progressively go farther and farther away from the transplant. Are there common side effects of anti-rejection medication? And after time, such a long period of time taking this anti-rejection medication, do problems occur because of that? So the there are... Um, side effects of anti-rejection medications. Um, so the one, one good example is, which is the backbone of a lot of immunosuppressive therapy, is a drug called uh, tacrolimus, which is also known, the trade name is Prograf. So that can uh, cause a few side effects. Number one, the anti-rejection medicine is suppressing the immune system of the patient who's undergone transplant. So that automatically puts the patient at higher risk for infections, infectious complications. So that's something we're always monitoring for uh, in these patients uh, with regard to their follow-up care. The second category of complications, and again related to tacrolimus, this specific drug I mentioned, um, is uh, non-infectious in nature. And for example, uh, tacrolimus can cause high blood pressure, it can cause adverse effects on kidney function. It can cause gout. Um, it can uh, cause some uh, blood um, cell issues. So there's a host of other side effects that we have to monitor for um, when these patients go on these kind of medications. So does someone on anti-rejection medication need to come in for follow-up visits? So they have to come in for follow-up visits very regularly. In fact, when we transplant somebody in the fresh postoperative period, in the first 
couple of months, we see them uh, almost uh, every one to two weeks. And for the first month after transplant, we get labs, uh, labort- uh, blood tests on them uh, even three times a week. So the intensity of follow-up is the highest right after transplant, and then it slowly um, can be uh, decreased, but they have to follow up with us uh, at some regular basis uh, in the post-transplant period. So what happens if a patient misses his or her medication for a period of time or just says, all right, I'm done, I'm, I don't need this anymore, I'm going to stop taking it? I think I know the answer, but what happens if a person does that? So that's a bad idea. Um, so the patient uh, is at risk for uh, rejection of the organ. Um, so that's something that we definitely advise the patient not to do. Um, the symptoms of rejection can be subtle. Uh, and depending on how long they um, abstain from taking their medication, and if it's a prolonged period of time, for example, for the liver transplant patient, they can start developing jaundice, and they can start developing um, uh, abnormal liver function tests. And so that's something we definitely uh, recommend against uh, with regard to uh, the patient's um, taking care of themselves. Right. So it's imperative that the person stay on the medication. So before discharge, what do you do to teach the patient about the drugs and get that message across? So we take that very seriously. In fact, we have dedicated transplant pharmacists uh, and the rest other members of the care provider team that sit down with the patient and their family and review uh, all the medications that the patient is getting discharged on, including the anti-rejection meds. Uh, And we go... uh, over every medicine to make sure they know what the medicine looks like, uh, what is the frequency at which they're supposed to take it every day, um, and uh, when to take it, at what time of the day they should take it. So there's some very detailed teaching that goes into training the patient and their family before discharge. And what about refills? Are those automatic? It seems like drugs that are so important like these seems like automatic refills would be necessary. Is that something that happens? Yeah, they are. So we have uh, systems in place where we have dedicated uh, pharmacies identified for each patient prior to discharge so that uh, we make sure the patient has a steady supply of medicines and refills to prevent any break or any lag in them taking their medications. So since this is a lifelong process, someone is on anti-rejection medication for life, what about interactions with other drugs or alcohol or potentially even foods? Does that happen? So that's a good question. Um, we do have, I mean, any medicine for that matter has potential interactions with other medications, but we do our very best at the time of discharge to make sure that we minimize the risk of any drug-drug interactions. Uh, We also um, make them aware of potential um, foods or drinks that can uh, interact with these uh, anti-rejection medications. For example, grapefruit juice is a good example which can um, interact and affect the absorption and the levels of anti-rejection meds. So that's a good example of a of something that we advise the patients uh, not to take. Um, Alcohol is uh, something else that we um, advise against. Um, It is, uh, we have given 
these patients a life-saving organ transplant with regard to, for example, liver transplant. And so we are um, we we are very uh, clear about um, abstaining from alcohol because that can adversely affect um, the liver function as well. Absolutely. That just makes sense. And Dr. Subramanian, is there anything else we should know about anti-rejection medication following an organ transplant? Now, I think you've hit all the important issues. Um, the one thing I would like to sort of maybe close with is that I just saw somebody in clinic uh, 30 years after liver transplant. And, it was, and that was somebody who was really compliant uh, with their anti-rejection medication. And so just speaks to the fact that if a patient takes care of himself or herself and is compliant with their anti-rejection medications, this uh, could result in a a long um, period of life after um, something as complex as a liver transplant. Well, that's a great way to wrap this up, Dr. Subramani, and thank you so much for your time. For more information, please visit emoryhealthcare.org slash transplant. That's emoryhealthcare.org slash transplant. You're listening to Advancing Your Health with Emory Healthcare. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.